Some of you know that, that for the last several years, I have uh, been sort of bothering my wife about us having uh, one more child because I'm a, I'm a big fan. I like the kids that we have. Uh, I like them. I like hanging out with them. I like talking to them. Uh, I like spending time with them. You know, we've got four and I was kind of advocating for, for, for number five. You know, I mean, it's just the whole thing is I, I like, I like it. I like the whole process. I like making them. I like raising them. I like everything about it. The whole thing. So, um, uh, so yeah, yeah. Reel it in preacher. We only got, um, so, uh, but my wife is, has reminded me that, you know, she's the one carrying them. She's the one getting up in the middle of the night and, and feeding them and nursing them and birthing them and all of the hard stuff. So she says to me, um, no mas. Uh, she says, we've got four and four and no more is what, is, is what she said. So, um, so last, last Sunday after church, we took a drive down to Birch Tree, Missouri to a little rescue farm. And we picked up the fifth uh, member of our family here. This is, um, his name is Cassius. Cash, Cash for short. We adopted him. Uh, so now um, I'm satisfied. The house is full. The quiver is, is full. And so we've been, we've, been, uh, we've been for the last week practicing what we call obedience training. And if you've ever raised a dog, or, or I guess that's what you call it, raising a dog or training a dog, it's, you've got to go through this process of obedience training. I don't think they have that for cats, but for dogs, they, they do this. Um, and, and so we've been doing this at our house, and we're trying to teach the dog, you know, not to, to, you know, have accidents in the house, and not to jump up on you, and not to bark at inopportune times, and these kinds of things. And, and we're actually doing pretty well. With our, with our obedience training. It's actually going really well. We're, we're watching videos on YouTube and we're, you know, reading some blogs and kind of getting into, uh, you know, the whole thing. Like becoming dog, we're becoming dog people. And so uh, we've gotten, we've gotten sort of, Rebecca has actually gotten, my wife has gotten pretty comfortable with it, pretty confident with it. So much so that the other day on Wednesday uh, of this last week, she was driving down the street near our house and she saw a dog running around out in the street. And, you know, having three days of experience with obedience training with our dog, uh, she thought, you know what, I got this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go help this other dog. Now, the problem is our dog's only about 18 pounds soaking wet. He's not a big guy. Um, the, the dog that she saw was about a 200 pound St. Bernard. So it was a very large, large dog. So she's driving down the street and she says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have the dog, I'm going to pull over. I'm going to have the dog come to me. I'm going to check his little tags and I'm going to call the owner. And then, you know, it'll be my good deed for the day. So she pulls over and um, she calls the dog over. The dog comes bounding over to her. But instead of sitting down nicely, as was commanded, um, this St. Bernard literally pushes her out of the way, jumps into the front seat of the van, into the front seat then proceeds to squeeze between the two front seats and gallop to the back of the car where my four-year-old Augustine was sitting. This is uh, the dog um, accosting my four-year-old. You can see Augustine over there going like, dude, I am not into this. Like, where's cash? You know, this guy is 40 times his size. So, so, so my wife is trying to get the dog to obey and she's commanding him to like step away from the vehicle, you know, like trying to trying to get him to obey. He's not obeying. In fact, he comes to the front where he starts to lick uh, Eden's face. You can see my two-year-old is not, not into this at all. So finally, my wife does what 
she, you know, the, the last thing that you can do, she calls 911. She calls, uh, she calls uh, the U-City Police Department. And um, man, these guys honestly are amazing. U-City Police Department's awesome. The guy shows up and he just sort of takes in the whole situation. You know, he's like, okay. Um, there's a St. Bernard. She's like, uh, you know, I've been carjacked by a St. Bernard. Um, so he comes over. He... He actually got a, uh, he had a banana for lunch. He was going to eat a banana for lunch. He gets the banana out of his, out of his uh, lunch bag. And he comes over and he lures the dog away from the van. And then he proceeds to put the dog in the back seat of his car. Like literally arrests the dog. The dog has been arrested and drives away. Um, we, we learned later that the dog did get reunited with his owner. So, so that was a good thing. But what the dog needed was a little bit of obedience training. That's what the dog needed. Um, what, what we're going to explore today is the reality that the truth is all of us are a little bit like that St. Bernard. Sometimes we step into environments that are not, uh, not for us. Sometimes we step out of territory that God has ordained for us to stay into. Uh, sometimes we wander away from where we're supposed to be. And sometimes God is saying, look, I want you to uh, I've got, I've got some, some, some principles and some truths, some commands and some instructions. I want you to obey those. I want you to walk into those. Um, and it's hard because I think if, if you're a human being, uh, whether you're a believer or not, you might not even be a Christian, but even if you're not a Christian, there are, there are a certain moral standard or an ethical standard uh, that you want to hold yourself to. You want to be more honest and you want to be more patient and you want to be more loving and you want to be more kind and you want to be more generous, right? So you have a, a standard uh, of behavior and conduct that you want to hold yourself to, but it's not easy to always reach that standard, right? For, for, is, it, is it anybody? I mean, sometimes it's like we want to do one thing, but we end up doing something else. Or we don't want to do one thing and we end up doing the thing that we don't want to do. In fact, we even learn in the scripture that Jesus, it says, was tempted in every way that we are tempted. So all of the things that tempt you, all of the things that, that, uh, that might distract you or deter you or derail you from the life that God has for you, Jesus was tempted by those. In fact, we learned that the Apostle Paul, he, he confesses this in his letter to the Romans. Let me read you what he says, and some of you may be familiar with this verse. The Apostle Paul, who was, was a, a very righteous man, a very moral guy, a very disciplined guy, he writes this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. So the things that I want to do, I don't do them. But what I hate, he says, the things I don't want to do, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Anybody been there? Anybody been there like, I know what I want to do. I know what I'm shooting for. I know what I'm striving for. It's just sometimes I don't reach that. I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do. This, he says, I keep on doing. The question that we're going to ask today in this sermon is, how do we do... What we know to do. How do, we, how do we begin doing on a consistent and persistent basis the things that we know God wants for us? And then how do we avoid those things that we know God does not want for us? Because we, we all know this and, and the, the concept of obedience, it can be like immediately grating to people. 
Like, you know, you hear the word obey. I don't know about you, but like, I actually sometimes will have a visceral reaction. Like, like what do you mean? Don't tell me to obey. Like, you know, eh, right? Right? I'm, I'm, I'm a, I can make my own choices. I'm not going to obey. Right? But here's the reality. Here's the reality. You are always obeying someone or something. So the question is not whether you are obeying. The question is, who are you obeying? Right? So you're either obeying a principle, either God's word or a principle that you're striving to achieve, or you're obeying an impulse of your own desires. Either way, you're, you're making a choice to obey something or someone. The question is, who are you choosing to obey? And we know, wherever we are in our spiritual life, wherever we come from, we know that when we do the things that we're supposed to do, when we do the things that we, that we are striving to do, our life is better as a result of it. That you have better outcomes, right? When you don't jump over the fence and run out into the street, right? I mean, you have, you have better outcomes when you, when you do the things that you know you're supposed to do. But the problem is we don't always get there. So today I want to talk for a little while, just uh, as we're looking at this passage, um, about how God teaches Joshua. And, and if you've been following us for the last few weeks, God is telling Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to walk into this land, that this territory that I have designed for you, that I've planned for you. I've got a lot of things that I want you to do, but I want to remind you, in the midst of all of this, I want to remind you that, I've, that I have spelled out some precepts and some principles and some commands, some truths, some laws that I want you to follow so that you can be successful and prosperous in pursuing the thing that I want you to pursue. So let me read you these first or these last three verses in, in uh, Joshua 1, 7 through 9. And, and here's what it says. It says, you know, again, this is, the third, this is the second time that he said it. Be strong and very courageous. So Joshua, be strong, be courageous. He keeps saying that over and over and over. Then he says this, Joshua, be careful to obey. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. I want you to excel. I want you to flourish. I want you to move forward. So I want you to follow these precepts because that's going to help you do that. Keep this book of the law, he says, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful again, careful to do everything written in it. Then Okay, he says it again. You will be prosperous. You'll be successful. And then he ends with this verse. Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be strong, Joshua, and be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As we're training our little guy, Cash, what I'm learning is that when we're trying to get him to do something, you know, he doesn't know what to do. He's like just playing around, going all different directions. Repetition and consistency, right? Like, like, you know, we do the same thing. Take him out. There's a little place outside for him to go to the bathroom, bring him in. You can eat, 
play around a little bit. You know, then there's this, like, you kind of keep him inside of this little area. And then you do it again. You do it. It's, we're, we're sort of surrounding him with all of the things that he's going to need in order to develop a sense of obedience and what's expected of him, right? In this passage, uh, what, I, what, I, what I discovered as I'm studying this is, is God keeps giving Joshua these little hints, these little clues about how you can consistently obey. So look at, the, look at these three things that he says just in these, in these three verses. He says, for instance, when you're, when you're seeking to follow my word and you're seeking to follow my law, here's what he says. Meditate on it day and night. So in other words, get in your mind. Med- meditate on it when? Day and night. Only two times that you need to meditate. Day and night. Meditate on it day and night. So start, start absorbing it. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. So now it's not, not just in your mind, but now you're having conversations. Now you're in a life group talking about God and God's word and what it means and how you can apply it to your life. So it's not just in your mind. Now it's on your lips. Now we're conversing about it. Then he says, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. In other words, focus on it. Keep your eyes on it. Keep your, keep your body moving down this path. Keep, let it surround you. Here's, here's, what I wanna, here's how the principle that I want to draw out of this. When he's saying you want to follow God's word and follow his teachings and follow his laws, the way to do that is to soak in the scripture. To soak in the scripture. To, to literally make it a part of everything that you do. You can put the next slide up. Soak in the scripture. So surround yourself with God's word in every aspect of your life. When, when, uh, when I'm making breakfast for, for the kids, um, I like to make French toast. The reason I like to make French toast is because I want my kids to have the protein and the nutrients that they need that they can get from eggs. But my kids don't like eggs. And so I try to make them eggs and then they want Fruit Loops. You know, and I'm like, no, I want you to eat the eggs. But what I've discovered is that if I really want to, to have them eat eggs, the way that I can have them eat eggs is through the device of French toast. And the way it works is you, you crack the eggs in a bowl. Some of you never had French toast, you know. But you put, you put the eggs in a bowl. You put the milk. You put some butter. You put whatever you need in there. You whip it all around. Then you take the bread and you just soak it in the egg. And you just soak it in until the, the bread has absorbed every little nutrient, every little bit of protein. All the stuff that you need is now in that bread. And then you just put a little bit of cinnamon on it and a little syrup and man, it just goes right down the hatch. Those kids will eat that stuff, right? But, but, the, but the only way it works is if that bread has been soaked because what goes into that bread then will come out into their bodies, right? Into the nutrients, into their bloodstream. Here, here's what God is saying to us. He's saying, I want you to soak in this. I want you to put it in your mind, meditate on it. I want it in your lips. I want it, I want it in your eyes. I want it. You need to surround yourself with God's word in order to uh, soak it in so that it'll come out in your actions and in, and in your behavior. If you've ever noticed that, man, I'm really off. I'm not doing what God wants me to. I'm not. Check, check your habits. Like, are you soaking in what God has for you? Are you spending time in his word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time with other believers soaking it in and making it a part of who you are? Because what you put in will come out. The habits of your mind will become the pattern of your life. Whatever you consistently absorb into your mind and heart and soul and body, that will begin to pour out of your life. In fact, the scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know where your heart is, listen to what you're saying. Because what you put in there is eventually what's going to come out. I love the scripture. This scripture says it best. Um, There's a scripture in, um, where is it? Okay, Uh, in Deuteronomy 11, 
where, they real, where, where God really pushes in on this. Look at this. It says, fix these words of mine, my, my word, the scripture, fix these words of mine in your hearts and fix these words of mine in your minds. Tie them, it says, as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. In other words, surround yourself with God's word. Soak it in from every angle. On your doorpost, on your gate, on the road. When you get up, when you lie down. Just surround yourself with God's word. Soak it in because if you need to change your actions, you may need to change your influences. Sometimes you need to change what's going in. If you're trying to change your practices, you may need to change some of the people that you're around because they're not bringing God's word. You're not soaking in God's word when you're with them, right? So, so what the scripture is teaching us is soak this in. Soak in God's word because out of that will start to, that will start to transform your life and start to transform your behavior. Okay, so, so we're soaking in God's word. The second part of this scripture that I love is he uses this other phrase twice, and when he uses, when God uses a, a phrase twice back to back, you should listen to this. So in Joshua 1.7, he uses this phrase. He says, be careful, be careful to obey all the law. And then he repeats it in verse 8. He says, be careful to do everything written in it. This is an interesting word, careful. Um, and, and, and in the Hebrew, you don't, you don't get all of it in the word careful. That in the Hebrew, the word is shamar. And the word actually means to guard it means to defend. It means to protect. It means to, in fact, it's the word that they use when they're describing like a night watchman or a doorkeeper, shamar. He's saying, look, he could just say, just obey, do. But he says, be careful to do it. So what he's saying is this, protect your practices. He's saying, if you want to follow God's word and if you want to pursue, uh, you can put that next slide up. If you want to pursue what God has for you, protect your practices. You need to build around your life some protections. You need to build around your life some boundaries so that you're not always just on the edge of doing right and doing wrong. One of the things that we, we do with our puppy is we, we create some limitations around where he's actually allowed to go, right? For right now, he's learning that, you know, we, we don't want him to, to make an accident in the house. So we have a very limited space where he can go right now. If you just gave him free reign of the house, you know, he might be tempted to go behind the couch somewhere. But we don't want him back there. So we're going to limit, we're going to put some boundaries around him. Sometimes in our life, you guys don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we need to put boundaries around our, our actions. We need to put some boundaries, we need to build some fences around our behaviors and our attitudes so that we don't get close to stepping off of the edge, right? When, when we first moved from our apartment to our house. This was 10 years ago here in New City. Uh, about a week, it was great. But, you know, happy in our new home. And about a week into it, uh, my wife calls me and she's, you know, she, I can tell her voice, she's nervous. And I say, what's going on? She said, we've been robbed. We've been burglarized, right? Somebody had come into our house, broken in uh, to our house through the back window of the garage and then broke into the house and then apparently spent like, you know, an hour and a half just kind of checking things out and stealing our stuff. So, um, they, uh, they didn't get a lot. We didn't actually have a lot for them to steal. But they did get a laptop with our wedding pictures and that kind of thing. And my wife was very, very upset about that. And then they also got something that was near and dear to my heart. My father had given me a watch 
uh, when, when right before he died. It was a watch that he had been saving for and, and had worked really hard to, to buy this watch. It was a Rolex watch. It was a beautiful Rolex watch. And he made it a point of saying, I want you to have this watch, right? Well, they got that watch. Um, so, so, you know, we're distressed. We're upset. We're unhappy because, you know, people came into our house and took something that didn't belong to them. Um, and so after that event, I thought, well, maybe it's time to add some layers of protection. So, you know, we, we boarded up the garage window where they broke in. We put a better door on the, on the, on the back door, uh, put a thick wooden door. Then we had a safety door into that back uh, hallway. And then we got an alarm, a burglar alarm, right? So we built some protection. So if you try to break into their house, you should go through the front because it'd be a lot easier than come through the back. We're, we're protected back there. Um, but, <laughs> or don't. Um, but, but, but the reality is, uh, we learn that when we want, when we love something or when we want to keep something or we want to preserve something or something is meaningful to us, we need to protect it. We need to protect it. And God is saying in this passage, be careful. Be careful. Protect the things that you're doing. Build some boundaries around your relationship. If you're, whether you're single or you're married, uh, you, you might want to put some boundaries. One of the things I'm always counseling, especially new, um, newlyweds, it's like, it's okay if your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend is offended that you unfriended them. That's okay. Come on. I got an amen over here. Come on. Uh, it's okay. It's okay to put some boundaries around your relationship. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to put some protections around your actions. It's okay to put some buffer between you and the edge. It's okay. They're called guardrails. They're called boundaries. It's a good thing. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not foolproof. But if you struggle with something, create an environment where there's, it's a lot easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. Let that sink in for a minute. If you are in a situation where you're having to actively resist temptation, that's a lot harder to do than if you're walking on the other side of the street avoiding it altogether. Are you with me, somebody? Come on. So, so, so whatever your struggle is, put some protections around you. Build some boundaries around you. Get some fences around that conduct. Now, if you're like me, you're going to go, man, yes, all right, these are good principles, right? Soak in the scripture, get God's word going, that's good, yes. Protect my practices, okay, good, yes, right. But deep down in your heart, you know that like, yeah, but still, what if? What if, right? And that's the whole point of New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions arise every year because we had moments in the previous year where we go, I wasn't quite as fill in the blank as I wish I had been. This year, I'm going to make some changes, right? And then it's hard to make some changes, right? But here's what God is saying to us in this scripture. And I love the way he ends this passage because he says this. Well, actually, before I get to that, let me read you a couple quick verses about, um, about uh, being protecting your practices. First Peter 5, it says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, what? Guard. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Mark 13. Be on guard. Be on guard and keep awake. Mark 14, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing. Yes, God, I want to do it, but the flesh is weak. Shoot, I messed up again, right? He said, so be on guard, protect your practices. And then, and then if you're like me, you go, okay, yes, 
I'm going to pursue this. I want to do this. But, 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 but what if I can't make it? What if I can't pull it off? What if I, what if I strive and I fail? I love how this verse, this passage ends. He says this. Have I not commanded you, Joshua? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know what? You know what elevates this from a self-help speech? You know, nothing wrong with self-help speech. Motivational talk. You know what elevates it? A a motivational talk is going to say, you know, you can do it. All right? But there is a limit to what you can do. This scripture says that limit is not the limiting principle for you. Because God will be with you wherever you go. His strength is limitless. His power is limitless. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And his strength can guide you through. You can do things that you can't do. All right? You can accomplish things that you can't accomplish. By the power of the Holy Spirit within you. So the last thing I want to just say is this. Seek your strength from the source. Seek your strength. Gain your strength from the source. When the Apostle Paul ended that passage, you know that passage where at the beginning where he was like, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. You know, right? And you know, you can see this internal struggle in him. And he's clearly trying, like all of us are trying. We're striving, right? We're striving to do the right thing. About three verses later, I love what he says. He goes, but there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He says, you know, you know what? Even though I'm going to keep striving, I am going to recognize that Jesus already did it. And when I bomb, when I fail, he's still with me. When I blow it, he's still with me. When I don't quite grasp the thing that I'm reaching for, he's still with me. Because he already did it. He died that I might have life. His righteousness became my righteousness. You got to soak that in somebody. Because especially as you're striving and trying and working and going for it. And I say go for it. But when we drop it, when we drop the ball, when we fail, he says there's no condemnation. I am with you. Your sin I'm taking upon myself, he said. You got you to get this. He takes your sin upon himself. He gives his righteousness to you. It's a transaction that is totally unfair. Praise God for how unfair that transaction is. Some of you may not know this, and I'm going to close. But Joshua, Joshua, the guy we're studying, his name wasn't always Joshua. That wasn't always his name. His name used to be Hosea. He had a different name. But 40 years earlier, Moses, because he was Moses' assistant, he was carrying Moses' briefcase around. Moses said, hey, Hosea, this is 40 years before he tried to enter the promised land. Hosea, I'm going to change your name. I don't want to call you Hosea anymore. I want to call you Joshua. You say, well, why did he do that? Well, what's interesting is the word Hosea, his name, it meant salvation. And that's a good word. You know, if, if, if everybody's calling you salvation, that's a good thing, right? Hey, salvation. Hey, how you doing? Damnation. You know, whatever. whatever. Hey, salvation. But then Moses said, 
I'm going to change your name from, from salvation. I'm going to change it to Joshua. Because Joshua doesn't just mean salvation. It means the Lord is salvation. Here's why, Joshua. Because 40 years from now, you're going to be called upon to do some things that with all your strength and all your courage and all your bravery and all your chutzpah and all your power, you can't do it on your own. The Lord is your salvation. You need to get your strength from the source, Joshua. As tough and great and powerful and good as you are, I'm going to take you places that are going to require you to do and say and be things that you cannot do and be and say. But by the power of the Lord in you. The Lord is your strength. So here's what I want to encourage you today with. Wherever you're at, whatever you're striving for, Whatever you're gunning for in 2019, that, that goal, those goals that you're trying to reach, those changes, those transformations in your life that you're trying to accomplish, those moments of like, gosh, I, 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 I want to do it, but I keep not doing it. I'm going to try again, right? Let God be in the very middle of that. Let him be the source of your strength. Let your heart surrender to his power so that you're not striving out there on your own. You can't make it on your own. Let the, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob be the source of your strength, the source of your power. Let's all stand together. I want to pray for you as we close today. Because what I believe is this. I, I believe that if you're here today, there is a very high likelihood that you are striving to be what God wants you to be. You're trying. You want it. But you're like Paul going, I want it, but I don't always get it. I want to do it, but I don't always do it. Or I don't want to do it, but sometimes I do it. Right? That's, that's going to be every one of you today. That is every one of you. But what I want to pray is that this year, God would, you would open up your heart so that God can be the source of your strength. And he can be a source of your mercy and the source of grace so that you're not out there going, I just got to do it. I got to try one more time. Yeah, well, experience his love and experience his power and experience his mercy in your life today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for every single person here. Thank you, God, for our desire to obey you, to follow your principles and your precepts, to follow your law and your commands. And thank you, God, that when we fail, you are there. You are there when we win and when we fail, when we succeed and when we blow it. You're there. Your strength is in us. Your mercy is available to us. And your love is everlasting. Father, we praise you for your presence here today. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. We thank you for the transformation that is happening in our lives. God, I pray that every single one of us would follow you, pursue you with everything we've got, and experience the palpable love that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.